0: Welcome to the Everyday PM podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Anne Campia, and I am a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, design and development, and tech industries. I am so excited to have you all join us for this week's topic on stakeholder management and team member personalities. Uh, also joining me is Ryan Myers, Operations Manager and Senior PM for Haven Agency. Back, I'm happy to welcome him back to the pod. Ryan, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Dan. I guess I did an okay job if you're bringing me back. <laughs> so, but no, thank you for, for having me back. This will be fun.
0: Absolutely. And for our avid listeners, you may have remembered Ryan joined us for a previous podcast on Scope Creep, so definitely make sure to check that out as well. Uh, For those of you joining us for the first time, Brian, please take a brief moment to introduce yourself.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, I'm, like Ann mentioned, I'm the operations manager and senior project manager at Haven Agency, which is a digital agency. We specialize in uh, website creation, sweepstakes, uh, print media, digital media, uh, video production, uh, stuff like that. Um, Some of our clients are mostly gaming, but we do have live entertainment, like Live Nation, Ticketmaster, AEG as well, but... Uh, mostly gaming at the moment with everyone stuck at home playing video games.
0: (laughs) Makes sense. And I'm sure with this topic that it definitely presents even more challenges or opportunities in terms of how to be creative with stakeholder management and managing different types of team member personalities. So I'm excited to dig into this topic with you, Ryan. And I know um, you were actually very passionate about Speaking to this topic. Uh, so I, I'm excited to hear what you have to say on it. Um, but let's go ahead and start off with, you know, stakeholders. Mm-hmm. They're defined, they can be defined as basically anybody on the project, right? That can be people on your project team, that can be your leadership team, the project manager is obviously a stakeholder that can be third party clients. Uh, But there are a plethora of stakeholders when it comes to any type of project that you're working on. So I think to start off, I think it's really just locking down on what is the definition of stakeholder, right, Uh, before we talk about managing them. And so do you think that captures everything? Is there anyone else that you think um, we need to include kind of in the scope of the definition?
1: No I think that's pretty accurate. It's anyone that has a has a say or a stake in what's going on in the project no matter how you know small or large the team is um, yeah and someone that you know either has has to sign off on something or on a, on a minor thing or just in general on large things.
0: Yeah, agreed. And so as you can see even just from the definition right how broad of the scope that definition is yeah. that the actual act of managing stakeholders, is broad in and of itself. This process is massive because it not only includes managing all these types of people that are touching your project, but that includes communication, that includes managing feedback, that includes um, ensuring you're providing the best customer service possible, right? If you're working with a stakeholder who is also your client. So there's just a lot of things, intricacies that have to, that are involved in managing these stakeholders. So I think to break it down, Ryan, and to really kind of focus on what we want to talk about today, because, you know, this topic we could probably talk about for several pods, right? Several hours of podcasting. Um, We wanted to specifically hone in on uh, tips and tricks and guidance on how to manage stakeholders, but also talk more specifically about how to manage team member personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would want to just kick it off to you, Ryan, and get your kind of overall thoughts on the process and, and on the topic today. Sure.
1: Okay. So for we'll start with the managing stakeholders. Um, obviously a lot of this initially has to be with like project planning. Right. So when the project gets kicked off, you have like, you know, the scope of the project, but you want to know like who, who's, who's all involved with this, you know, obviously with team members, uh, working on um, aspects of the project or building certain portions of it, but you know, who needs to sign off or who's in charge of that area um, internally or externally, because not only, like you mentioned, there's stakeholders on internal teams, but you know, external with clients as well. So figuring out who those people are um, figuring out if they're like a major stakeholder, you know, analyzing, you know, if, if, you know, if they're minor major um, and then figuring out, you know, um, the best ways to set up lines of communications with them and getting to know like what their expectations are um, and getting that down. So um, I know during our scope of work process, we like to set up like a baseline for communication. So like um, how often are we meeting or having calls? Um, Are there scheduled check-ins Um, Are there preferred ways of communication? Um, Some clients prefer to stick to emails and Slack. Others prefer, you know, old school, you know, call me on the phone and let's talk. And and with COVID now, um, it's video calls. So getting that stuff nailed down and agreed to ahead of time is very important um, during the scoping, just so everyone knows the expectations of that. Um, And then keeping to it, you have to make sure you keep the stakeholders updated. Um, Obviously, some people are more, Invested than in others, and some like to communicate more than others. Really? Um, so that that's always a fine line too, because there's like you're mentioning with COVID now, it's kind of different. Like projects, you know, some of these teams that we work with, like um, you know, people have been laid off, and there's not as much you know work in projects. So now this is some people's only project they're working on. So if they only have one thing to focus on, they're more likely to keep asking you things because they're not working on multiple things. So that's an interesting uh, balancing act too, but um, definitely communication is, is the main, main thing that needs to be set up and adhered to, I think um, to, that's the main part of managing the expectations and getting across updates and, and uh, what's going on day to day or week to week on the project.
0: Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I think stakeholder management starts with that clear line of who is doing what on the project, who is authorized to approve things on your project, just having a clear definition of who each of your stakeholders are. And a tip that I would give, and I think this is just a known tool that several project managers use, right, is a RACI matrix. I think it's as easy as understanding, and for those of you who are unaware of what a RACI is, it's a document that you can keep, as Ryan's pointing out, you know, make sure you know everything and 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 document it um, in terms of who your stakeholders are. But the race, what the RACI tells you is who's responsible, who is, um, I believe, authorized is what the A is, or who is accountable, depending on what you want to use that the A and the RACI um, for. But who is responsible? Who is accountable? Who needs to be, uh, I believe it's, oh gosh, help me out here, Ryan. What's the C and the Racy? Who Um, needs to be, oh my gosh, I'll have to (laughs) look it up. Um, But it's after
1: after five, it's been a long day.
0: (laughs) You know, like the one main tool that everybody uses that I can't remember the definition for. Yeah, that tool. So um, it would be who's responsible, who's accountable, who's consulted and who's informed. Um, so what you would do is you would create this matrix, you would write down all of your stakeholders, who they are, what their role is, if you need to be, remember what that is. But under each, all you have to do is write down an R for being responsible and A for accountable, C for consulted and I for informed, right? And so what that does is it helps you organize all of the people on your project You'll understand from a communication standpoint, as Ryan was talking about, communication is key when you're managing stakeholders. What it will allow you to do is organize how you are communicating to each of these stakeholders. For example, if one just needs to be consulted, uh, then, you know, maybe they don't need to be around for all of the communication points. If one needs just to be informed, right, so maybe they just want to know, but they don't really have a stake in what's going on in the project. Sure, you know, set up a very simple communication platform for them, doesn't have to be so in depth, they just want to kind of be in the know as the project progresses. And then you have people who are a little bit more involved, and they might either be responsible for a deliverable on your project, or they're accountable, right? So they are the ones who ultimately, for this part of the project, or this phase, or this deliverable, that if something goes right, or something goes wrong, they are ultimately accountable for that. And so it's a very easy way to organize your stakeholders, to manage them, and to revisit it. To, again, to Ryan's point, you want to have this documented so that everybody's aligned to it and you can revisit it throughout the course of the project.
1: Yes, and, and another, also another aspect of it is during the timeline of a project, the stakeholder's importance can change. So, like you're like you were mentioning, sometimes in the beginning of a project, someone that's needs to be more involved towards the end of the project. You know, the beginning, you don't have to have as much communication, but at a certain point, that's going to switch, and they're going to have to be more involved. So, um, noting that is important, also.
0: Yeah, I agree. I
1: agree. Um, yeah, um, and then also another portion is like figuring out what the process is for you know requests and changes, and and locking that down ahead of time. So people are, you know, aware of the process, um, and are aware of, you know, what's, what needs to happen for those requests to come in? Because if that's not set, which, um, I've been on projects or brought into projects where that wasn't agreed upon and it was like getting bombarded from every side with changes and late requests and everything. So, and it's not really their fault because it wasn't set up as an expectation in the beginning, but, you know, setting something up, making sure it's adhered to and, and, getting that process in place ahead of time. So feedback and changes and and communication, you know, coming from multiple teams can be, you know, sorted through properly and, and, and we can give, you know, responses back timely because putting stuff together, if it's coming from a bunch of different people and running it through the different teams takes time. And so as much organization as that we can do ahead of time is, is, is a great, really the only way to do it in my mind.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, what might be a fun lesson for our listeners is running through some of the different types of stakeholders, right? So you've got your RACI laid out, you've got a process in place. Ryan has outlined, you know, if you have a change, who do you go to? What's the process for change management? You've got all of these processes in place in terms of how you will communicate change, who you're communicating to, et cetera, using your RACI matrix. But Let's talk through some of the kind of common roadblocks that we encounter as project managers when it comes to working with stakeholders, right? Because I think uh, as I bring up these different scenarios of stakeholders that you will encounter throughout the course of your career, I would be shocked if none of these resonate with you, Ryan, because I, I read through this list and I'm thinking, oh man, I can think about the exact situation I was in. When I encountered a stakeholder like this. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to just pick your brain and, and hear your thoughts on, on the different scenarios here. If I could just shoot them at you and you, you let us know if you've encountered it and maybe some of the strategies you've used um, in terms of either mitigating this type of stakeholder or working with that type of stakeholder. Sure. Um, let's, so let's go. <laughs> first, we've got stakeholders who fear commitment, right? So you've got some stakeholders. Who you know, particularly those who have promised a finished project in the past that did not materialize as they had vision envisioned, you have some stakeholders who are afraid to commit to the finished requirements or declare that the project is complete as per the scope. Have you encountered this type of stakeholder? Of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, there's yes, there's 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 definitely stakeholders that really don't uh they're scared to finalize stuff or make sure like the, the the end the end is it's always to them it's always kind of in flux um yeah. it's it's like it's it's cool and then we're we're working on it and then you know actually maybe we should like, no it was already <laughs> you we wanted to finish it this way let's but no it definitely yeah that that has that is definitely one of the one of the types um to deal with not the worst but <laughs> definitely, definitely one of them that you have to be mindful of and, and try to get some kind of commitment out of them, which is tough, depending on the level that the stakeholder is in the project. But yeah, I, we definitely have some that are, des- I don't I'll fit nobody, nobody I know uh, listens to this it's comment. Very, but yeah, very Yeah,
0: very vague. Comments.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> Design tends to be that portion a lot. Anybody sure. with design, they're. Nobody's ever happy with how something looks and the longer it sits, the more likely something's going to get requested to change. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely something I've, I've dealt with. Um, a question with that for you, um, obviously you've been a PM in the PM field for quite a while now, and you worked in different fields, um, Hasbro and, and such. Have you noticed any difference in stakeholders with the different companies with personalities,
0: you know, when it, you know, when it comes down to it, there, there's commonality amongst all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you lay it out as simple as, you know, plotting out where the stakeholders fall on the racing matrix, mm-hmm. I would say there's a lot of similarities there. I think when we dig into team member personalities and behavior, Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to see some key differences be- between industries simply because, you know, the product that you're producing or the, simply the output of what the project is can be different. To your point, with this type of stakeholder that we're talking about, stakeholders who fear commitment, I think perfectionists are mm-hmm. always going to be on that list. And having worked with creatives, also trying to be creative uh, myself outside of what I do for on a day-to-day. It's very hard to say something is finished to your point. You know, you always want to try to perfect it. When you think it's finished, you put your pencil down and then you look at it again a day later and you're like, actually, let me add more to it. And so uh, I think as PMs, we, we play an important role in trying to figure out where that fear of commitment comes from. And, and, and that's kind of our superpower, right? Is if we understand why the stakeholder is afraid to commit to a project being done or to the requirements being finished, if we understand where, what's driving that, then maybe there's a way for us to work with them to make sure they're reassured that the project is meeting their needs. You know, it, it's all about understanding where that actual fear is coming from. And as soon as we can pinpoint what that is, then we can try to change their perspective. So I think that's I think that's a great question. I think, you know, across industries, I would say uh, that there really isn't a difference when it comes down to it. You're going to have your designers, your engineers, you know, depending on what industry you're working for, you're going to have commonality across your stakeholders. Uh, I also see commonality across stakeholders who have feared commitment across any, all types, right? Yeah. So- I think that's a great question, but I think at the same time, I think you can kind of slot in your stakeholders uh, appropriately on on your matrix. So, for stakeholders who c- cannot let go or compromise.
1: Oh, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, those, yes, um, that those are. That's that's a common thing. Um, <laughs> the The thing I'll say is like, depending, like obviously, you got to pick your fights sometimes. Um, small little things sometimes i'll i'll not you know i'll let those go but at the end of the day you kind of have to accept that they're the authority or the person in charge of that area so um the best thing i do is always talk to them and see like you kind of mentioned earlier like see where they're coming from why are they why are they going in this direction um are they basing it off of experience or data a a hunch like what are they doing and try to work with them on it um And I do push back on some things if it's going to jeopardize something, but um, it's at the end of the day, it's kind of like you kind of have to work with them as best as possible. And sometimes you can get around it and and compromise. Other times you kind of just have to swallow and swallow it up and do what they're asking. Yeah. And I, I don't know about
0: you, but I have seen this across all of the experiences I've had and it becomes much more challenging when you're working with a stakeholder who is of an executive level. Uh, And so you have to understand, again, going back to just the very beginning of this conversation, right? Understand who your stakeholders are and what's their drive and what's kind of their stake in the project. And so if you've, if you're working with an executive, you know, their intention may be driven from something that's bigger than, you and the project, their intention of not being able to let go or compromise may be driven by an overarching strategic goal that you're unaware of, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're able to understand why that executive is not able to compromise or let go of something that maybe that will help you understand why it's creating so much churn or change in your project, Now, when it comes to, let's say you're working with a lead developer or you're working with a designer and we all know we've worked on projects, you know, where you get so invested and passionate of on what the project is. Take project aside. Let's say you're an artist and you're so invested in what you're creating, right? Whether it's a painting or a drawing or something, it's so hard to let that go, right? So, Uh, and, and I think that's the beauty of our role is that we have to be that person that can coax them out of being so committed to what they wanted to create in the first place. And it's not to say that their design or their uh, innovation is wrong or that they need to change it. it. It may very well be driven by we can't afford it, right? There's no profit margin there if we continue down this path of the way it was originally designed, there's other reasons that uh, are likely in play other than we just don't like your design. We don't like your yeah. website design. You know, it's, yeah. it's usually something else to it. And so uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who are very passionate and talented in terms of what they're able to produce. And, and oftentimes it's also heartbreaking as a PM to watch them have to let go of some of those features or things that they wanted to include. But again, it's a business. And as a PM, we've got to drive towards, you know, the kind of the ultimate return on investment for the company as well as for the customer.
1: Yeah, and and, and speaking to like what you're talking about, I think a lot of that is like learning to not take that type of decision personally. Like the stakeholder is not personally saying like, this this you know this addition to development or this design stinks and this person sucks <laughs> it's just like this just this isn't the direction they're going so i think that's a something that those those team members and pm's too like nothing is like it's not personal it's like this is you know the goal is to get the project done so making sure you take into account all the information and making the best decision possible like and doing that i think is is really you know, what has to happen and and listening to what people are saying where they're coming from and trying to be empathetic about it and put yourself you know in that position and and work with them to you know let them know that uh, I think is very helpful when you manage personalities
0: yeah I love it I love the use of empathetic there I think that really really helps especially when you're working with uh, you know hyper creative people yes very, <laughs> um, very so much so definitely a great tip um, I have one more stakeholder personality I wanted to throw at you before we move on to team member okay. personalities. I, I stakeholders who are disinterested or uninvolved. I mean, oh
1: yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I will say now this. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. Since you've been you've been doing this, sometimes those are better.
0: Sometimes. Yeah. Tell tell us why you
1: think. Okay. Okay. So now uh, the ones that uh, we didn't go through every type, but the ones that are disinterested, if they're disinterested enough where I, now this is bad, but if I can kind of run both sides in a way, it's easier for me because I don't have to rely on someone that I'm worried about making mistakes or making bad decisions. So granted if I have to deal with a team that's external, I can't, I can't have that control, but if there's someone that's not super interested and they're kind of like, yeah, we just want a website and I just have to show them stuff like that's easier on us. Obviously we still do our full, you know, the full scope of work and job, but if they're not micromanaging and at the end of the day, they just want to see a finished product. Sometimes that's very easy to deal with. Um, But uh, I don't know what you think about that. If you've had to deal with situations like that, Where someone's like, I don't care, just give me something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely can see where you're coming from in terms of this can actually be a benefit to the project progressing. What I've seen, and it's been to the detriment of the project, is this disinterested person then comes back about two-thirds down the project and all of a sudden becomes interested. Yeah. And that's (laughs) kind of, you know, your worst case scenario, because, yeah, you're plugging along. Things are progressing. Great. Signing off on everything. Awesome. You're so close to whatever launching, whatever that is. And the stakeholder all of a sudden wakes up and is like, oh, I didn't approve that. You know, and so that's that's kind of where you just have to just be hyper aware of who the stakeholder is, how they operate. And sometimes that just comes with experience of working with them or talking to people who have worked with that stakeholder. Uh, as a PM, you always have your escalation channels as well. If a stakeholder maybe who is either responsible or accountable on the project is not performing, you know, just like anybody, uh, a PM could escalate if a team member is not uh, putting in the work. The same thing goes with other stakeholders, right? And so I encourage everybody to, as PMs, you have to keep the project moving. And if the the stakeholders disinterest or uninvolvement, if that's actually a word in the project, Mm -hmm. uh, is resulting in the project not being able to progress, then absolutely use your escalation channels as you need them. Or to Ryan's point, you may, it may actually be in your benefit and you may actually get from point A to point B with this disinterested stakeholder and have them sign off on the project. And it, it actually made it go much more smoothly than it would have been if they were interested.
1: Yeah. And I, and I should have, you brought up a great point. Like I was using a couple of examples that I've dealt with, but yeah, if, if the stakeholder is uninterested or not involved, but they still were waiting on them to approve things or they're not getting back to us with proper, you know, assets or information then yeah that's obviously very bad and you have yeah. to go around them or find other channels to get that stuff but yeah my my example was just like the the clients that are just like yeah we need to we just need something just build it and it's it's very it's very uh um easy not easy it's just quicker to do stuff when it's like we know what we have to do and there's nobody kind of micromanaging it and we just yeah. finish it.
0: So. And, and I think that that's a great, you know, it's not a stakeholder I have listed here, but I think what you're getting at is, you know, it's maybe it's not so much that they're disinterested, but it could be very well be that they have full trust in your capabilities, right. Yeah. As, as, as the, uh, maybe you've worked with this client several times and they see that your company can churn out a uh, beautiful work or, or they have full trust in the, the ability of the team that it's maybe not so much disinterested as it is, they just trust you to produce quality, whatever. Right. And so um, I think that's, that's also a great stakeholder type uh, to cultivate. If you can, it's a very strong one and it probably one we don't see often, but when you get that relationship really built and strong and, and, you know, trusting, then that's, that's, that would be a really great type of relationship to have on projects because, it would go very, very smoothly to your point.
1: Yeah, I think so. So out of those three, what is your least favorite
0: <laughs> oh, to have boy. to manage? I love all stakeholders. Yes, me too. <laughs> but I am not go. this is like that question, you know, like, you know, married couples where they're like, do, do I look fat in this? This is a, one of those oh, loaded. Yeah. Questions, just, Ryan, yeah, if yes. you want to choose one, go ahead. But I'm going to say that I love all of types of stakeholders. I think it's the only way we can learn and kind of grow as PMs is to encounter these different types, right? And to understand how to be able to work with all of them.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Everyone's, everybody's different, which is what we'll talk about in the personality section. But yeah, it's. I don't, I don't mean to put you out there walking, <laughs> walking the plank on that, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. We'll be safe.
0: So Ryan, I think that will do it for this episode of the Everyday PM podcast. Uh, if folks want to continue the conversation about stakeholder management, where can they find you online?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, uh, rymyers25. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I don't know what my, I don't have a cool, a cool link on LinkedIn. It's just like some random number thing. So I need to figure out how to, you have to show me how to change that word. It actually has my name on it.
0: Well, yeah, maybe we'll spend another episode talking about how to change your LinkedIn URL. Um, But yeah, I definitely will make sure that you have, um, for those listeners, you will have access to where Ryan Myers is located on LinkedIn. uh, And you'll have a link directly to his profile if you want to chat with him further. Uh, You guys can also find me on LinkedIn and Campia, as well as other social media platforms. Uh, Make sure that if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star review, that would be very much appreciated. The Everyday PM Podcast is also available on Google Play, Anchor, Stitcher, and most podcasting platforms. So feel free to reach out to either of us on LinkedIn to push the conversation further. Uh, That will do it for Ryan and I in this week's installment of the Everyday PM Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time,